Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. Okay, I want to speak today about um, just the topic that God has started last year with us. And he started this process with us where he's going to take us through a process of building, planting, and eating. How many of you love to eat? There we go. Big hands up. The rest of you, what do you guys do? You know, don't, you know, <laughs> do you eat future life or, or what is it? Uh, <laughs> but in order to eat, you first need to build and, you f- and then you need to plant. How many of you know that? And um, in our modern day, we're so far removed from planting unless you are a farmer. You're so far removed from the process of actually making your own food. You know, you go to Woolworths or Pick and Pay or Checkers and it's all there on the shelf. And there's no thought on what goes into getting food on the table. But in our spiritual life, um, a lot of times we, we want to be in God's presence and we want to eat and we forget about that middle point, that middle place. And so as God was speaking, he was saying, last week we spoke about building God's house, building the church, also building that holy place inside of you, building your faith. And God was saying, you can't build your own house if you haven't first planted your own fields. But you can't plant your own fields if you haven't first built a holy place, worked on God's house built your own faith. And so that was last week and this week we're going to speak about what it means to work in a field. How many of you want to work in the field? Can I just see there? Okay, some of you, you're not answering because you don't know where I'm going. I get that. That's cool. Um, Basically, what we want to do, we want to end off the service praying for everyone's fields. Praying for everyone's place of work, because we believe that is your field. Your field is also the things you do, your, your, the things you do in your marriage, the things you do with your children, anything that requires your hands to do something. So God has given us an incredible purpose. Every person has purpose. Can I just see anyone yet doesn't believe they have purpose? All right? And um, everyone believes they have purpose, but not, it's not, not everyone fully understands the value of their purpose. And that's what God wants to do this morning. And so we're going to be speaking about reigning in life and what it means to reign in life. Um, I want to go to Isaiah 65, uh, verse 22. And um, this Isaiah 65 is, is really a starting point uh, for a lot of promises, just personally in my life, but for our church. I, there's a couple of verses that really just stick out as promise chapters. 
And not just promises for the people in those days, but they're def definitively, uh, they've been defined or are, are promises for all people of all nations till the end of time. Say that with me, till the end of time. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, in Isaiah 65 verse 22, uh, it says, They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. And I just felt those are two promises that I want to kick us off. There's, there's three promises here that I want to speak about, but, but these first two are so important. The first promise is, is that you will not build and then someone inhabit. Now, if we're branching into building our faith, what does that mean? It means you will not build your faith and then someone eat the fruit of what you have built. Hello? Ecclesiastes 12, I think somewhere there, it says, cast your bread upon the water. <laughs> you understand? Like, like there's this fear that if I do things and there is no value to it, then I'm just not going to do it. And so that's one of the reasons why we don't reign in life is the fear that we're doing things for no good. And so this promise, I want to say, is for your house. You will build your personal house one day. And no one else will inhabit it. But you will work in your field. The next part is you will plant and no one will eat of your fruit unless you have eaten of it. No one will take away that which you have built. Come on, is that a good promise? <laughs> So what I'm trying to, what I feel God doing is trying to take away the fear that you will do things in vain. Hello? That's the first thing. All right. Let's go to what I spoke about last week. I just want to, um, okay, then promise two. Sorry, I'm, I'm with promise two here. Promise two. And my chosen and elect shall make use of and enjoy the work of their hands. How many of you are doing something you don't enjoy doing? Hello, anyone here? All right. Okay, one or two people. And that's what we want to pray into. How many of you are doing things you do enjoy doing? All right. Yes. Okay. So the promise is you will enjoy the work of your hands. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> In other words, no stress. How many of you have fair amounts of stress and anxiety? All right. All right there we go. <laughs> so what God is saying is you will enjoy the works of your hands. There's two parts to that. You will enjoy what is finished. You will enjoy, but you will also enjoy the process and there is, a, there is a place in God where what we do is enjoyable all the time. It's about finding your 
identity, what Johan was saying, where God is your father and he's calling you to a place where, where you become fully you while in him, your identity becomes known and your purpose is revealed and you fully enjoy what you're doing. The Bible says you will be satisfied in every way. Does that sound good? So I just want to recap from last week. We said we will build, we will plant, we will eat. There is a holy place, which is in every person's holy place is their special relationship with God. But out of that holy place, there flows good works. And out of good works, there flows an inheritance. Now, I heard a pastor saying, faith versus works. How many of you have heard a sermon that says, is it faith or works? I have. I've heard many, if I'm the only one. <laughs> Spent a lot of time listening to pastors before you know, God revealed his new nature to us where we always felt guilty about the works we were doing. But God actually speaks in the Bible about faith and works. And that faith without works is actually without value. So if your faith that is built in your holy place does not lead to works, good works, then the faith is useless. Everyone agree? That's why the Bible says don't just give a man a fish Teach him how to fish, all right? Because you can't just keep giving the inheritance portion without teaching him to have faith to do good works, to continuously have an inheritance. Is everyone with me? All right. So faith is in the holy place. It gives you confidence. And out of confidence comes victory, okay? I'm just recapping. Wisdom is what we build. Out of wisdom comes knowledge. And from knowledge comes understanding. Ah. <laughs> All right. I, I'm currently training for a marathon again. I'm running yesterday. Man, God speaks when you run. If you want to feel God's presence, go running. All right. <laughs> To say this with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens our legs. All right. <laughs> Listen, if there's a Strava account you need to follow, it's Pamela's. All right. What was Wednesday? Something about a chicken and... <laughs> a private jokes, I shouldn't tell them. Anyway, just go into Strava and follow... So, when I ran the Comrades many years ago, I ran the Comrades with knowledge. I, I read every runner's magazine that was available. I, you know, I did all things right, but I can honestly say I did it without wisdom. Okay? So, 
I read these programs and I'm like, nah, that's too diff. They don't know my body. And I go to these seminars and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just gaining as much knowledge as possible. But I went unwise. So what happens? Halfway through, legs are ITB and, and I ran. I finished the race in time, five minutes to spare. Kept my family on edge, right? <laughs> but I ran 40 kilometers with extremely painful ITB in both legs. So what happens? After comrades, I have understanding. I'm like, wisdom plus knowledge is understanding. So I'm thinking about how this time around, I'm training in such a different way. I am following the program, making sure that the works I'm doing comes from a wise place. <laughs> Making sure that I don't end up running the next marathon as much as what I can. If I've followed the programs and I've done everything they've said and I've gained knowledge and, and I use that understanding and I, and I don't get injured, then awesome. All right? and, and so really that is oftentimes how we as Christians approach life. We have this Bible. It's full of wisdom. We have the Holy Spirit who's constantly, but, but we keep... Going to knowledge, like I'm going to just figure this out from the knowledge point of view. And we keep working in our fields from the knowledge point of view. And we gain a lot of understanding and we learn a lot of lessons. But God is inviting us into that place of wisdom. So that we can work in our fields from a place of wisdom. Um, iPad screen off, hang on. So, Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? Say with me, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, my sin with the comrades was not to listen to the wisdom of those who had been there before us. But over and above all of that, over and above all the mistakes we've made, there is Jesus Christ. And by that one gift, whose name is Jesus Christ, we all now are given the opportunity to reign in Life. In other words, you have been given the control to your life, the keys. And there's this, I've spoken about this before, but there's a lot of visitors, so I feel freedom to share the story one more time. There's an astronaut that I admire, and he first had to learn how to fly fighter jets before he could fly into space. And how many of you know that when you fly through the valley there where they film Star Wars at ground level, <laughs> things get out of hand very quickly. And he learned, and this is his life lesson, his book is called An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. I love that, right? And he wrote the book in space. So just, just if you didn't put that connection together. And, and he's saying... <laughs> 
that as an astronaut, as a pilot of a fighter jet, you very quickly have to learn how to fly ahead of the jet and not behind the jet. But for so many of us, our lives feels like a jet that's flying ahead of us. And we're always reacting to try and fix what has happened in front of us. And to reign in life, it's Jesus Christ who gives us the power and the ability to be ahead of life, not behind it, to have full control, to preempt, to see things coming before they happen, to have the wisdom that supersedes anything you will ever go through, so that whenever you hit whatever fan you hit at any time, with whatever pawpaw, however messy, you have the wisdom to go through that even before you hit the fan. Does that make sense? And I know from my own life and from our life, we, we've been through things where if we hadn't spent time in God's presence seeking His wisdom, we would never have made it through those things. But it's from spending time in His presence, from absorbing His wisdom, from pressing and saying, Father, this is my holy place, and from this holy place, we will reign in life. And the key thing is to actually believe that you will reign in life. Do you believe that? Solomon was so aware of what he was going to ask for. How many of you know what Solomon asked for? And knowledge. But it wasn't like he walked into the kitchen, you know, was opening up the fridge, taking out the Vienna, dipping it in mayonnaise, and God appears and is like, hey, what do you want? <laughs> That's not how, it didn't happen by chance, one day, just by accident, Solomon was David's son. Solomon had spent his whole life preparing to take over the kingdom. And in the moment that the kingdom was given to him, God says, what can I give you? And Solomon, fully conscientious, in, in fully aware of the fact that he needed something to rule, something to live out his purpose. He said, God, I need wisdom and knowledge to rule. You can go read it. He didn't just ask for wisdom and knowledge up in the sky. He asked for wisdom and knowledge to rule. And then God said, because you've asked for wisdom and knowledge, I will give you riches and wealth and all. You see, the fact that he was ready to rule and stepping into his purpose shows that he was ready to handle all of the other things. God doesn't just give wealth and riches and inheritance unless you have walked through the process of wisdom and knowledge and you've built your field. Someone say amen. amen. Romans 10 verse 3. This is our purpose. 
It says, For being ignorant of the righteousness that God ascribes and seeking to establish a righteousness of their own, they did not obey or, or submit themselves to God's righteousness. And what I, what I understand when I read that, yes, Paul is talking about, this is uh, Romans uh, 10, verse 3. What I understand, um, sorry, Bernard, Brendan is phoning me all the time. <laughs> so, so, my watch is ringing, <laughs> and it's Brendan is phoning me with <laughs> And I'm trying to be ignorant of this watch, but it's vibrating. <laughs> I left my phone on stage on purpose. <laughs> so, here are the, here's the, the, the Jewish people, and they're ignorant of the righteousness that is ascribed to them. And I read it this morning in the same way that that God is saying, there is a way that you reign in life, and you do that, and when you do reign in life, you display God's righteousness. Because God created you for a purpose. His first promise to you was, you will have dominion. Multiply and have dominion of the earth. He didn't say, multiply and then go through life's challenges and hope to come out okay at the end. He said, multiply and have dominion. This means you need to be ahead. You with me? Are you bravely saying, yes, we're going to be ahead? Am I scaring anyone? Is anyone afraid right now? Can we pray for you? <laughs> Can we pray for all the children? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all there together. I wonder what it sounds like in there. Like, <laughs> it's all Jonathan's kids. So Jonathan just... <laughs> all right, well done, well done. He's got one sleeping, 50% success rate. <laughs> all right, so for... So, the righteousness we need to be aware of is the weight of your purpose. Just like Solomon, aware of his purpose, your righteousness is being aware of your purpose. And no law and tradition and you name it is going to reveal your righteousness more than being fully accepted by God and having the faith to understand that God cares for you and provides for you and to receive the grace that comes from Jesus Christ. And I have long time believed that grace is not just what we experience when we don't get what we deserve. Grace is actually God reapplying his full creative power over your life. Grace is saying, you are now recreated. 
It's as if you have woken up on your first day on earth and God says, go and have dominion and multiply. That is what grace is. And our response to grace is to be aware of the righteousness that God's given us and not be ignorant of the power of grace and its potential to work in us and our purpose fully lived out, passionately lived out, excited to see what the world will look like when we as a church have full dominion over it. Amen? So dominion, and this comes from Stephen De Silva's book, Money and the Prosperous Soul. Dominion has two character traits. Dominion speaks about two things when we speak about your field. Dominion speaks about authority and dominion speaks about ownership. So many people have ownership, yet not authority. And so many people have authority, yet not ownership. It's so important that you have dominion by having authority and ownership. Hello? Okay, so let's talk a bit about that. Jesus, <laughs> going to change this verse forever. See, if, you, if you're in a church that is extremely evangelical, then this scripture gets preached the most from the front. It says, Jesus approached them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize. And so that's been the great evangelical mantra. Let's go and tell everyone about Jesus and disciple them and baptize them. But as I'm reading this, I notice it says something so important. It says, Jesus approached them and said to them, all authority has been given to me. And then he says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And last week I just drew that parallel about how we have a holy place, good works, and an inheritance, and we have a Father and a Son and the Holy Spirit. So if we're baptizing people into the full nature of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, then we're discipling people into the full understanding of their purpose as children of God who are able to do good works inspired by the Holy Spirit to actually see and receive an inheritance. See, we've shortcut the message. We've said Jesus came to save you and so you received and here's your inheritance. But we haven't taken people through the fullness of what it means to be discipled in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Taking on the full nature of the triune of God in our own personal lives. So when God is saying, 
When Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me, he's saying that to his disciples. Look, this is, this is Jesus having appeared after death. This is Matthew 28. He's, he's already died. He's already risen. So he, he literally has received all authority. And he's come with that authority that has already conquered death. And he's saying, now go and disciple. Which nations? Does that include North Korea and Syria, Iran, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Madagascar, you name it. All nations. And so, the gospel is being preached, but there's coming now a time where the church is going to start discipling people to reign. Remember, the promise said, every man will build a house and no one will take it from them. Every man will plant vineyards and no one but them will eat it. They will eat from it. If you look at the way, and I don't want to get political and blah, 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 but if you look at the way people live right now, we have a whole mass of people doing work and they have no ownership and no authority in the work they do. And that is not the way God intended man to live. When I look at our nation, I see masses of people who have no ownership and no authority. And if we're preaching the gospel to all nations, then we need to be going in and discipling so that every person has authority and ownership in their fields. That's the fullness of the gospel. That's the greatness of the gospel. And Deuteronomy says... Don't say in your heart, this word is difficult. And then he says, but where is this word? He says, this word is in you. It is near you. It is on your mouth. It is in your lips. It is in your heart. <laughs> but don't say it is difficult. Start, our role as a church is to start saying, this is possible. This is doable. Deuteronomy, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, There shall not be a poor man amongst you. Promise. So what do we do? We start here in this church, and we start declaring, There shall not be a poor man amongst us. And then when we come into church and we look around and we see that there is no more poor person in this church, we start to declare there will not be a poor man in our city. And the church gets activated and takes authority and starts to, listen, I'm not talking about works that are out there that have got nothing to do with wisdom. And do you see, as soon as I start to say we started to do works out there, I know people who are only doing works out there. 
but I'm not doing anything to build the church. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's, that's authority. And I, and I want to just touch on what Auntie Lorraine came and prophesied about words. Such a powerful point. When we say there will be no poor man in our nation, wow, that, that looks like a big field that we need to plow, right? <laughs> but it's our words. It's so good. That, and so the next scripture I wanted to bring is, and the point I wanted to make is that authority is responding to a promise and not responding to the works of the enemy. When, when you're confronted with the works of the enemy, when you have authority by nature, you will consistently respond out of God's promises for your lives. And you will not respond out of what comes your way. Does that make sense? I was watching some of the news incidents this week. And I was thinking about how these incidents have come about because people have responded to each other from a place of knowledge. And not gone and tapped into the promise and responded to a promise for their lives. And so... In Isaiah 65, verse 16, part of the promise says, So it shall be that he who invokes a blessing on himself in the land shall do so by saying, May the God of truth and fidelity bless me. And he takes an oath in the land and shall swear by the God of truth and faithfulness to God's promises because the former troubles are forgotten and they are hidden from my eyes. So many people are robbed of their destiny and their purpose because they're looking at all the things that could possibly go wrong and they've forgotten to invoke the blessings of God on their lives. And instead of speaking and saying, God will bless me in this land, God will bless me according to his promises. They say, Yo, have you seen the news? And what about that? And what about this? And what will you do? And our role as the church is to say, these are the promises of God. And these, in these promises we trust. And we will see these promises accomplished and come to fruit in our land. When you say these words, I believe in his promises, you invoke God's blessings over your life. When God speaks and you repeat his promise, something happens in your heart that opens up a door of expectation. And Stephen De Silva in this book Money and the prosperous soul. He says, God invites us into a river. And when you step into the river, just imagine you've stepped into the river of God's abundance and provision that flows from his throne. 
But now imagine that you're standing with your back to the throne. And God sends goodness down the river. What's going to happen is you're only going to see that goodness when it comes past you. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to just watch it going. But if you turn around in expectation of the promise, and you're speaking His promises, you're identifying them from far off, what do you do? You position yourself in the stream to grab hold of those promises. You position yourself in a place where you can see the promise coming from far and you step into that promise. And you step into the fullness and you take authority in that position. It is by taking authority, it means you place yourself in the right place. On our holiday, we spend time in a river. It's difficult to just walk from one side to the other. You have to be strategic. Like, where is it flowing fast? Where is it not flowing? What's going to happen if I fall in there? And so you position yourself to receive the promise and you take authority. But you do that with your words. You speak God's promises. You start to declare them as if they are your own because they are your own. And I challenged our people last year. I said, how many of you have a prophetic word for your life? And I was so surprised that only one or two in the room actually had a prophetic word for their lives, that they consistently speak over their lives, believe in and trust in. Take it to the next step. What is the prophetic word for your marriage? Do you believe your marriage has a purpose? Take it to the next step. What is the prophetic word over your workplace? What are the prophetic word over your colleagues? What is, and, and these are all, by prophetic word, it's not, you know, some magic persona gave you a word and, 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 and then it's going to come true. It, it, it's about God's word in you. We have a prophetic team in this church. And the goal is just to show that God loves you. And, and we've seen so many people go through the prophetic ministry and find out, wow, God really does hear me. God really does love me because he's confirming the promises that are already stored in my heart. And so this is what a prophetic word is. It, it's God's promise for your life spoken out. Amen? So how many of you have a prophetic word for your life? How many of you want a prophetic word for your life? All right, we're on 50%. Next year we'll be 100%. <laughs> Write it down. Ask God for your prophetic word for your life. Write it down. Because nothing will take you away from that word if you speak it and proclaim it over your life. Is that good? Short, just in short, what does it mean to have ownership of something? What does it mean to have ownership 
of your field. It's when we're spiritually, when we're spiritually immature, we primarily receive. But when we reach maturity and dominion, we act as generous benefactors, distributing the supernatural abundance of God's supply. Ownership means that you've moved from a place of constantly receiving and you've moved to a place where you can give from an overabundance. This does not just mean financially. This, this is on every level. Paul gave out of his understanding of who Jesus Christ was. He actually had no money at times, and at times he was wealthy again. But his generosity was his understanding of the mystery of the gospel, and from that he gave. That was his field. And so in your life, you will have areas where you find yourself being more generous. That is when you have ownership of something. That is when it becomes yours. <laughs> and this is ownership upside down. Ownership is not when you've, I'm talking about kingdom principles. Ownership is not when you've received it. Ownership is when you're willing to give out of the generosity you have. So dominion is not domination. Because some people read their Bible and they think that dominion means go and dominate the earth. Go and strip it of its resources. Go and take as much as they can for themselves. Dominion means <laughs> I have authority over this resource and I'm going to manage it in such a way that there is more than enough to give from it. Real ownership is when I'm willing to give out of my place of abundance. I want to prophetically pray and say, may all of us in this building today reach the end of this year in a place of financial ownership. Also in a place of spiritual ownership in a place of spiritual maturity. May our marriages be one of generosity and not of taking. I'm speaking this, and I'm just so aware of God's desire for us to become generous people who have authority and ownership of the things that have been entrusted to them, the spiritual, financial, physical resources that have been entrusted to every person. You see, if you're aware of the weight of your purpose, you view the resources you have very differently from when you approach resources out of a spiritually immature place that says, I want to receive, I want to receive, I want to receive. In Hebrews 5 or 6, you can go read it. The writer actually says to the church, by this time, all of you should already be teachers. But you're spiritually immature. So we will once again rehash the elements, the, the elemental teachings, so that you can attain to maturity. Am I stretching someone's faith right now? God's purpose and design and plan for you is for you to be at a place where you are generous, giving, teaching. 
In Daniel it says, those who are wise will instruct many. You can't live your life for the length of your life hoping to be instructed for your whole life. You've got to live your life expecting that at some point you're going to start giving. And at some point you're going to start teaching. And at some point you're going to be instructing meaning. Not just spiritually in church, but in your field. In the areas that you're in. I see businessmen. I just, I see businessmen whose eyes open to this, who are saying, wow, I'm going to employ people to empower them. I'm going to employ people to raise them up so that every employee who works for me has the same opportunities to be as successful as what I am. Because if you're wise, you will teach many. Someone say amen. <laughs> the last promise, promise number three. Let me just repeat these, these promises here. The first promise, I, sorry, I had my notes a bit jumbled here. The first promise is, for as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And I thought about, there's a tree in in the Western Cape that was planted in the 1700s. And I put my hands on that tree and I was so aware that with almost all of the recent history in the entire world that I know of, that tree was there. While all of that stuff was going on in the world, that tree was physically there and is still there today. God says you will be like that tree. So God wants to open up and expand your life expectancy. How long are you planning to work in your field? And how long are the effects in your field going to be tangible, touchable, present? Does that make sense? Promise number two. And my, cho and my chosen and select elect shall long make use of and enjoy their hands. And now promise number three. They shall not labor in vain or bring forth children for sudden terror or calamity. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And I'll never forget ministering with Heidi Baker and she was speaking about how when Mary received Jesus Christ in her womb, that she had to spiritually and purposefully accept him into her body. Hello? How many of you carried Jesus Christ physically in your womb? Just Mary, okay? <laughs> yes, you've carried children, other children. <laughs> but... She physically is the only person who accepted Jesus Christ. And it's such a beautiful picture of how we accept Jesus Christ, not only into our hearts, but into the fullness of who we are. And so Heidi's preaching to young people in Kyrgyzstan, 
And she's saying, don't abort Jesus. In other words, don't abort the promises that you have for your lives. Don't reject them. And when I read this verse that says you will not labor in vain and bring forth children for calamity, I felt God saying that's also the promises and the purposes we have. Men can't give birth to children. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> but we as people carry many babies, many promises. And what we don't often realize when we're spiritually immature and wanting to receive is that we think we carry promises for our own lives. But how many of you have considered that you might be carrying promises that when become true, provide jobs for thousands? Provide space and financial blessings for hundreds of thousands? Think about people who have done things that have affected all of us. Think about the Wright brothers who flew the first airplane. Today, we want to go to Cape Town, we go to Kalula.com, and we book our ticket, and we go. I didn't sing that in the right pitch, but <laughs> it's close enough. In fact, our greatest problem when trying to book an airplane ticket is, which airline do we choose, and where do you get the most miles? Do you see that their purpose revealed has blessed you and I? more than you can even imagine. Imagine they could appear today, having missed all of history, and see what flight has become. How relatively safe and easy it is to fly today. If it weren't for the promises that they believed in, your field has the same potential. Every person in this room has the same potential to be a Thomas Edison, a Wright brother, a Mandela, a you name it. You have the same potential. You have the same power. You have the same authority. If not even a greater authority. Because you believe in Jesus Christ. So you will no longer labor in vain. You will no longer give birth to a promise that is just for a short amount of days. But you will give birth to promises that will bless, feed, inspire, encourage. Abraham became the father of many nations many descendants. We are all His children because we have faith. Is that good? Does that speak into your field? I know we all have different fields, but we have the same God, and we have the same promises, and we have the same potential. So I want to pray for our fields. I want to pray 
those three promises over our fields. Is that, is that good? I asked those who were here last week just to bring something that represents their work. Just pick that up, hold that in your hand. Otherwise, yeah, hold it in your hand. If you don't have something, just hold it. <laughs> Let's stand. Look at this. Justin brought bricks. <laughs> Jolene brought Lego. What's that? What is that? She brought Monopoly. Is that Manzi Polopoly? Oh. <laughs> All right. Are you holding it? I know you brought a remote. See all the symbols here. Access card. Pen. Feather. Come on, hold your thing up high. What, do you, what have you brought? Here we go. Look at that. Awesome. Father, we thank you for every person's field in this house today. And we thank you for your three promises. Father, that your first promise is we will be like trees. That what we plant and what we grow in our fields will have longevity and last forever. And will not be blown over by different things and blown over by different times and whatever you name that comes our way, Father, but we will stand firm in your presence. And we thank you that. We bless all our businesses. We bless all the places of work. We bless our families. Every place that our hands are in, Father, that they will be like trees. And we thank you for that. Father, we thank you that your word says we will also enjoy the works of of our hands. And Father, I ask for a supernatural joy to fill our hearts in this time. Thank you, Lord, that, that we can recognize that joy is found in your secret place, that joy is found in your holy place. Joy is found before we walk out the door in the morning. And Father, may we be filled with joy as we open our door in the morning. May we just radiate your love and your presence in our workspaces and wherever we go, Father, in our schools. Father, will people stop and say, can I have some of this joy that we are radiating? And so we thank you, Lord, that you fill us with this joy, but it also enables us to enjoy the works of our hands. And secondly, to enjoy the fruit of the works of our hands, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we will see in this year people having so much joy coming from that which they receive from their work. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we will not work in vain, but that which we work on will have significance, will have impact, and will have everlasting power to change our world and to change our own homes and to change our church, Father. And we thank you for that. And Lord, lastly, we just want to thank you, Lord, that now I forgot that third one there. What? Eugene took my notes. <laughs> but Father... Oh, someone help me here, uh, quickly. Uh, yeah, Father, thank you that we will not labor in vain. Father, thank you that you've birthed us with your promises. And we ask, Lord, that we will hang on to those promises, we will feed those promises, and we'll see those promises grow and multiply in front of our very eyes. I'm just reminded of the word that says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. Thank you, Father, that you too are knitting our promises together. And you birth them in our hearts 
and that they will be born and they will achieve that which you set out to do. Thank you that your word says your word does not go to and fro and return void, but it returns back having seen the promises fulfilled. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And we bless every business. We bless every place of work. We bless every hospital, every place of education. We bless this church and we thank you for the works of our hands. And we break the line that the works of our hands have no spiritual value. But that the works, and we, we believe now instead the truth, that the works of our hands come from being in your presence. And that you energize us and give us full significance in everything we do. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And every person says, Amen. Come on, is that not good? Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.